This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be talking to Neil Heron of Vanilla Gaming. Adult Site Broker is proud to introduce ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers a chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit asbmarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or as a buyer today. And don't forget ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out asbcash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale a growing and stable European tube network. The sites went online over 10 years ago, and the traffic has grown every year. All of the traffic is from SEO. No traffic has been purchased. This is a great opportunity for a potential buyer to add to the traffic immediately. Because of the high quality of the content, targeted to German and Italian languages, Google has placed the website in good search positions. There are over 600,000 hosted videos. Around 400,000 of them are uniquely titled. There are also about six months of videos already translated and ready to upload so the new owner will have an easy transition. This is an opportunity for the buyer to get stable traffic and easily grow if they put some effort into the new SEO techniques and buy traffic. Only $595,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Tape Broker Talk is Neil Heron of Vanilla Gaming Company. Neil, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Sure. Thanks, Bruce. I appreciate you having me on. It's my pleasure. Now, Neil cut his teeth in the beginning of his IT career writing code for an ERP system. He described his first career position as a real-life version of office space. Now, after many years of programming, Neil switched over to networking and infrastructure design. Over the past 15-plus years of his career, Neil has gained a wealth of knowledge on both the programming and networking side of information systems. This combined with his lifelong love for gaming brought him to start the Vanilla Gaming Company in 2020. The Vanilla Gaming Company is currently developing Vanilla Beast Ace in the Hole, a hilarious, mature-themed action-adventure game set to release in the fourth quarter of 2022. Vanilla Beast will leave your sides hurting from the insane dialogue and comical situations. Take control of Vanilla, a suave secret agent, as he thwarts villains by day and gets the hotties by night. Explore a massive, living, open world full of side quests, mini games, secrets, and some of the hottest adult film stars. Vanilla Beast Aced in the Hole combines retro-style pixel art with a contemporary gameplay design, as well as paying tribute to some of the greatest games of all time. The game is partnering with Pornstar Platinum, bringing to the game some of the world's most beautiful porn stars. 
Before we get started, I want to play part of an amazing version of the Styx Classic hit Lady that Neil is using to promote his game. Neil, that's amazing. It sounds like you got the original band to do it. Uh, of course, a few of the lyrics are different, such as, Lady, when you're blown me, I'm smiling. I usually smile when I'm getting blown. Uh, Give me all your head. My cock fills you up when I'm horny. Blow me and my troubles all fade. So high like a coke-addicted whore. You're my lady of the whoring. Hmm, creative. Now, uh, did, did you write those lyrics? <laughs> Yes, I did actually. And I tried to keep it as close to the actual lyrics, uh, as possible. We wanted to keep the true nature of it. Yeah. And I wrote that and my vo- vocalist, uh, sang it and he, he crushed it. Oh my God. Boy, did he. So, uh, tell me a little bit about your technical background and what got you into game development. Sure. Well, um, as you mentioned there, I graduated uh, earlier, uh, about 2005-ish in standard operating procedure for most Americans, right? You grow up, you go to college, and you get out in the real world, and you start working, and you live happily ever after, right? (laughs) So I kind of got into uh, the technical side of things, being an IT, uh, writing code, programming, doing all that fun nine-to-five type of job. Um, waking up every morning, getting into work instead of TPS reports, like office space that I had crystal reports, right? Ah. And yeah, got to go through fun of that and, and, and programming, writing code. And then after about five years or so of that, I was laid off. I was still low man on the totem pole there. And then mm-hmm. uh, I got to the networking side of things and I uh, got to see kind of the flip side of it because it is it's, it's, there's a lot of things inside IT, right? IT is not just one thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's programming, it's coding, it's database work, it's networking, it's firewalls and servers and all that good mm-hmm. stuff. So I've seen you know, a little bit about everything. And over the last 15 years or so, I, I've kind of became, I guess, a jack of all trade, right? Kind of um, touched on a little bit uh, of everything within that whole IT realm. And um, over that time span, you kind of find out about yourself, like, what am I good at? What do I like doing? And over time, uh, it just kind of got into, it's like what I really want to do, like with mm-hmm. myself at the end of the day, you know, before I'm gone and I leave this world, is this all I want to do? 
<laughs> and the technical aspect of my background kind of got me into game development in a way of I see what's out there. I know what other companies are doing and I feel like I can do it also. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you take what you what you know and what you love. And, and that kind of got me into game development here uh, in the last couple of years and, and working on this big project, started my own company mm-hmm. and said, hey, let's do this. I'm not getting any younger, Bruce. So I got to <laughs> get out there and got to get this done before I'm uh, <laughs> I'm in the grave here. Oh my God, you're so young. Give me a break. Uh, I got almost a quarter century on you. Okay, so uh, talk about the Vanilla Gaming Company and how it came about. Well, you know, for many years, uh, I've seen how these major AAA uh, game developers, they're just dropping the ball. And that's just me being honest with you, Bruce. Mm. I mean, these massive companies, they have millions and millions and millions of dollars behind them, and they can barely make a playable game these days. Mm. Um, It's mind-blowing like how terrible some of these games are developed that, that are coming out with this massive funding. I mean, okay. take gaming in like the late 80s, uh, pretty much all through the 90s, there's no internet, right? Right. There's a, That's a lot that people don't understand. There was a time before internet. The internet would, did not come out with cavemen and, and work its way up through the centuries. Internet's still a fairly new thing. So what that meant for gaming in the 80s and, and the 90s is no patches, right. no updates. None of this, let's make a game as fast as we can and get it to the consumer so we can get their money, and then we'll patch it and make it playable later because that's what they're doing right now. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a bunch of nonsense. I mean, you get these games that they spend seven years on making uh, over hundreds of millions of dollars, and they come out on release day, and you can't even play the game because it's it's so bad. It, wow. You know, things don't work. It's glitchy. It's it's got to, It needs to be patched. Everything's broken. So, you know, back in the early Nintendo Genesis PlayStation days, you know, a company, they lived and they died by their product on release day. That day mm-hmm. one product, when it came out as a cartridge, if you can remember back in those days, that mm-hmm. was it. Yep. And that's my mentality now and mm-hmm. why I started the Vanilla Gaming Company, because we need to get back to that. Um, indie gaming development, it, it's kind of a, it's its own genre, right? Mm-hmm. There are so many passionate game developers out there and they just don't get noticed. Nobody knows that their games are out there Mm -hmm. because we're not getting the the big promotions. You know, we're not true. We don't get the commercials on TV, right? But some of these indie game developers out there are, are they're, they're extremely passionate. They, they know what they're doing. They're, they're passionate and and that it's their life. Like they're, they're making this game because it's their livelihood. It's Mm -hmm. not just another game that's going to drop in a few months and then hopefully it'll do well. If not, who cares? We'll move on and make another one. It's sure. not like that, with, you know, with, with any game development. And, uh, you know, I had an excellent game for an idea here, which is Vanilla Beast Taste in a Hole. And uh, it's been stern for like many, many years. Mm-hmm. And just kind of with the pandemic creating more of a uh, um, a craze for in-home entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. It, and with this idea that I've had, it just kind of came about that now it's now now or never, right? Now's the sure. time to put this plan in action. So I went ahead and, and started up the company uh, a little over a year or so ago. Uh, got licensing out of the way, you know, all the fun paperwork with all that comes and just mm-hmm. started looking like what what can I do to put this together? And that's kind of where where we're at right now as far as the early stages of development. But uh, just trying to get this product that's been out there for a long time, but do it right. Do it the right way. Mm pretend that there is no internet right let's get right. this thing right from the very very beginning 
some days I wish there was no internet, no computers. Anyway. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. Hey, man, I remember I was working in radio when they, were, when they just started offering fax machines, okay? That's how far back I go. So <laughs> anyway, yes, I'm old. Okay, so uh, you're currently working on, as you said, Vanilla Beast, Ace in the Hole. Besides how I described it, tell me what the game's all about. Well, it, it's, you know, it, it's a big parody is what it is. Mm -hmm. It's humor. And especially just in the state that the world's in and everything we've been going through, humor's a good thing right now. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, we need to laugh, right? I, I think a lot Big of time. people, yeah, a lot of people, we, we take things seriously. We have to, like we have to stay afloat, you know, the doggy dog world and it's kind of a thing with businesses and, and it being cutthroat and all that. But at the same time, we can have fun too. We can laugh. Um, it's so. okay. And, and games, at least for me, is supposed to be, entertainment is supposed to be fun yeah when i turn on a video game i, I want to smile i want to have a good time whether i'm mm -hmm. playing with my friends with online multiplayer or if i'm just sitting down to play uh, a game with myself it should be entertaining uh well i do understand some people use it professionally like you know the madden tournaments and, and different esports and whatnot but that's yeah that's big now the, that's big now yeah it's still under one percent of the gaming population the, Interesting. the other millions and millions and millions are just casually playing right so this game, it's taken what we've loved through the 80s and the 90s and, and 2000s, just all these different games uh, that's worked. They've had a working formula that's made the game successful. So what I'm doing is taking certain aspects of those games and we're making parodies, just like m movies do it. Like remember mm -hmm. a scary movie that made oh, fun yeah. of the screams and, yeah, you know, yeah. you've always got these parodies. Right. And it's usually done, I guess books do it sometimes too in, in, in general media, but it's usually movies. Mm-hmm. I've not seen a lot of games doing this, and I really don't know why. Because well, we're we're Weird Al Yankovic has done it for years with music. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Weird Al has killed that with, with oh, music, always, and and always. I've done that some with music for the game, as you heard there with love the, it, uh, the lady love song. Love it, love it. And, and we've got many more of those too uh, coming. Uh, even the intro is a Casino Royale from James Bond intro where uh, <laughs> we, we uh, parried the uh, Chris Cornell song. So okay. that's exactly what we're doing. So this game is all about having fun. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the story goes, Vanilla Beast is really an Americanized James Bond. <laughs> so you're going to play the role of the secret agent, right? And he was a secret extraordinaire, you know, living a dream, suave secret agent, as we mentioned, uh, mentioned there, mm -hmm. uh, completing secret agents, dating the hottest women in the world. And then as the game starts off, one mission changes all that. So this is a story and it does have a good story too. And if I had to describe the script that, that I had written for it here, it would be Austin Powers meets Black Dynamite. Hmm. Uh, action, a lot of action, but really funny, but not too over the top. At the same time, some mm. of it will be over the top. And here, here's an example. Have you seen the movie Deadpool? I have not, but I've heard about it. Okay. So in Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds is aware that he is a character in a movie and there's an audience. So he will actually talk to the audience. You know, mm. sometimes the camera will stop and he'll turn around to the day. Did you see what just happened right there? This is what <laughs> I got to deal with. You know, that kind of stuff. Video games just don't do that kind of thing. And hmm. that's what we've we've written and, and put into the game to where, um, you know, maybe if you die for the third time in an area, uh, and a nor st instead of just a normal death screen and you know, want one game over, he's like, can you you want to maybe take the controller or your little sister's hands and play for real this time? Like you know, what <laughs> I mean, like he's gonna make fun of you, like yeah, you know, and, and it's gonna be one of the things like, hold on, did he just talk to me and tell me that I'm like playing like a little girl? <laughs> so th those kinds of things are gonna happen. That's and, awesome. Uh, 
a lot of mature humor in the game. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I think video games these days, they get a really bad rap on hmm. what they, they can do. Uh, it, let's face it. These are not for kids anymore. No. I'm sure we grew up with that, but you know, uh, the majority of gamers are adults right. and that's what this game is, is made for. It's going to be mature rated. So children won't be playing the game number one, but it's not meant for them either. I mean, this mm-hmm. is for adults that want to have a good time. And when they sit down, they, they're not going to be treated like a kid. You know, we're not going to mm-hmm. hold their hand. And it's it's a mature experience, no different than going to an R-rated movie mm. or you know reading a book or, or whatever that has things that you can relate to that you've seen in life and you can sure. laugh at, and that's kind of what Vanilla Beast is. It's it's going to parody a lot of different uh, facets from a lots of different media, from memes to movies mm. uh, to shows to songs, and the entire ride is just one big uh, uh, action adventure. Uh, scenario after another and a lot of really neat uh, different types of uh, retro style levels too hmm. yeah and you know i'm not i'm not a gamer but you got me very interested in wanting to play this game already so you're you're doing your job definitely neil now uh, uh tell me about the retro style gameplay and variety of levels what we're doing is we're taking what made so many great games great. It's like, what made a great game uh, great? And like, I know you said you're not a gamer, but you probably heard of Mario, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> you probably heard of Zelda. Like there's some games mm-hmm. that just stick mm-hmm. out and they're just, they're classics. Everybody knows them. And if you never even played a game. So what we'll do is we'll have mature humor and exploration, like classic leisure suit Larry games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to love that, that um, series. It was made by Al Lowe. And uh, Sierra Games, it was called Leisure Suit Larry. It was like kind of like a point-and-click PC series a long time ago. But hmm. it's mature-themed. Hmm. Um, I can remember, um, and this was this was mainstream, too. This was a while back. I guess in the 90s is when Leisure Suit, uh, Leisure Suit Larry started. And at one point, you're trying to, you know, to have sex with a hooker. But Larry understood, well, hold on. If I have a condom, I'm probably going to get in trouble. So you had to like literally point and click your way to find condoms. And then (laughs) at one point, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I I believe he grabbed like the wrong one and it busted. And like, that's a game over, right? Uh, Your condom (laughs) busted. Start over. So that kind of stuff, it's like, we don't see that anymore. It's like, what happened? What what happened to where we were headed in the right direction with this type of comedy and style? And all of a sudden we got rid of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're, we're, we're going to come back on that. So there's going to be a lot of things. And I've actually already reached out to Allo and I've spoken to him mm. um, about maybe a cameo ex, uh, uh, um, appearance or something along the lines of that. Because um, that's what I want to do. I'm not stealing anything from anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm taking what made different games great and just adding it into the game. And, and you know, we'll, we can touch on that as far as different types of genres and whatnot. But we've got like a great surfing level paying tribute to the like, TNC a surf design and California games from Nintendo um, golf mini game hmm. things to take a break from the game within mm-hmm. the game. Hmm. So you can go, you know, play golf like the old NES open tournament uh, side scrolling, beat him ups. Like, you know, back in uh, arcade days uh, when we still had those around people love games like double dragon and final fight where you mm-hmm. can just, you know, it's like, don't, I don't want to think anymore. I don't want to use yeah. my brain and figure, I just want to walk across the screen and kick and punch everybody in the face and tell them to shut their mouths. So <laughs> we've got levels like that too. Real simple stuff, real basic. It's the variety is massive. Hmm. And then a lot of games, it's games are very linear. Usually um, even if they are open world, they get into these very, the games feel repetitive. That's one of the biggest gripes that I've always seen as a gamer. In my, and I've been gaming since the eighties. I started off mm-hmm. on an, an Atari 2600, mm-hmm. literally playing like missile command with my dad and Frogger mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I've seen how far gaming came. And a lot of times Bruce, 
the game really gets in a rut because even though the level may be different, it looks and feels like the one you just got them playing the previous eight levels, right? And mm-hmm. the game just gets boring. So another example of how we're bringing like the retro gaming in is you may go through a, a level side scroll and then you get to the boss and that boss fight will play like a Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Or you'll actually go sideways, you know, right? And it'll kind of, the game will kind of change. And then, you know, fight. And you have an actual control system of blocking and high punch, low punch, kicks, special weapons, all that kind of stuff. And then on top of all that, and this is something indie games don't usually do because they don't really, I I don't want to put this, obviously say anything bad about the game, indie gaming industry, uh, or excuse me, indie gaming genre, but they kind of, uh, they kind of quit before they should, I think. Like Mm. it's, I understand people's got to make money, right? And some people, this is all they're they're, they're getting, so they kind of cut corners in a way. Mm-hmm. We don't have the funding. Indie gaming traditionally does not have the funding until they either run a crowdfunding um, campaign and get funded, or they go with a publisher, right? right. So in the beginning, you're kind of running this off your own, out of your own bank account, and so the game suffers from that, as it sure. should, right? That makes sense. Yeah. And what they'll do is they'll quit before, like they'll have this vision, but it won't really hit that vision because of funding. So, you know, I'm saying I'm going to go the route of, of the crowdfunding here. Right. And, you know, if that doesn't work, we can go the route of the publisher, but you really want to use it as a last resort because publishers will want creative control sometimes in the beginning or mm-hmm. if they're paying your salary, you know, they're going to want to take over. And right. I just know my vision won't be seen. So what I'm promising to do is this is going to get done and it's going to be awesome no matter what. It just tell. will take a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it might take a little longer if I don't get that up front. But, as far as the retro levels of whatnot, we're actually going to have an open world. Mm-hmm. So you're not, it's just not going to be a game that goes through level. Okay. I'm done with the level. Start the next one. I'm done with this one. Start the next. It's going to have an open world. You can run around. You can go to the nightclubs. You can go to the strip clubs. You can mm-hmm. go to the baseball game. You can head down to the park and play home run derby with little Jimmy. That's, you know, <laughs> pitching on the mound, just whatever you want to do. It's going to have a lot of variety. And then the levels kind of happen as the story progresses. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that games are missing these days. Just the fun factor, right? You'll be able right. to navigate around the actual levels and they'll activated or dropped in, so to speak, so to speak, like a flashback. Like say, you know, you're, you're at the, the, the park there. And if you visit it a couple of times, nothing really happens. You get to do whatever uh, uh, it is that you're doing. I'm trying not to give too much away here. Right. Sure. And, but say one time you visit it because you've completed a level and maybe you found this item. Well, now that, that actually checks off uh, and code behind the scenes there that you've done everything you needed to do. So now something new is going to happen at the park and maybe you'll have a flashback hmm. where you're tell, telling uh, little Timmy here about the time that you won the big football game uh, in <laughs> high school and <laughs> what that's about and teach him a life lesson. And nothing is ever as it's going to be as it seems, I should say, it's going to always be based off humor and comedy mm-hmm. and just those moments where you look at it and you shake your head and said, hold on, did I just hear that right? Is that what he said? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Now, the game is being largely built based on humor. Now, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, humor is the name of the game here, without a doubt. I've been making people laugh since grade school. Uh, I was actually took the class clown title <laughs> in high school there uh, for my uh, class of 99. I know I'm dating myself there, but uh, and we did party. like. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. 75, man. <laughs> 75. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, I graduated there in 1999 and, and I can remember that's all. We, uh, the only thing that was happening right there was they played Princess Party like it's 1999, just over and over oh, and yeah. over in high school. Oh, yeah. So I took Class Clown uh, that year. Proud of that, right? And I even did stand-up comedy, Bruce, uh, for a mm. while uh, after that. With me living in the Midwest here in Cincinnati, Ohio, that it's tough to do that. 
Uh, right. You, you can't really become a performer or any kind of an it's tough, entertainer. It's tough to do stand up and survive then. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so, you know, I, I know humor, I've been all around it. I've kind of seen that circuit a little bit, did some traveling and did a few things with comedy. And now, as you know, comedy is very subjective, right? It's very relative to the person receiving the humor, right? Let's face it. Funny's funny. I mean, there are some things that's always going to be funny. You right. know, if it's wintertime and I look at my window and I see somebody walk and they slip on ice and fall back and, and just get smashed. That's hilarious. I'm going to laugh. It may not be right, <laughs> but that's funny. That's the kind of stuff I want to see when I look out my window, right? People falling on ice. And, you know, just take an example. Look at the last Chappelle routine and, and how the critics crushed him. Hey, I, I think on Rotten Tomatoes, or you got like, what, a zero from critics, but a 98 from the audience. Yeah. Uh, it just, it blows me away how subjective and how relative... Ah. Screw critics. Can be. Yeah, exactly. screw, well, screw that, critics. That's, I've never, that's my point. I, I've never been into, I've never been into what critics say. I, I, some of the movies that I've enjoyed the most are the ones that got the, the, the worst reviews. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're hundred percent correct. And that was the point I was about to make is that, uh, this game, it, that's what we're going for. And I don't care. Like, I really don't care how, cause let's face it with, with bringing the adult industry into this, uh, immature themes and everything. I'm going to be shut down by a lot of places right off the bat. They're sure. just not going to want to deal with the game. That's just the nature of it. But sure. am I going to lose money from that? Probably. But hmm. am I going to also sacrifice my vision and what I'm trying to make because of that? No. But that's what a lot of people do, Bruce. You know? Oh, sure. So They sell out. Exactly. And, and the humor is going to be mature. It's going to be even raunchy at times. But it's here's the thing. Here's the key. It's well thought out and calculated. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not just a bunch of random poopy jokes, right? Or, you know, <laughs> just saying what we want to say. There's no, I'm not trying to shock anybody. It's, sure. it's 2021 here. We're not, you know, really shocking anybody with anything. We've all seen it and done it all. Um, but the game actually takes a form of narration uh, like you don't normally see. And, you know, the actual game character, uh, Vanilla, or Vanilla Beast, uh, full name there. Uh, He'll be talking to the gamer, like I mentioned a little earlier, and he understands he's in a video game, hmm. like Ryan Reynolds did in Deadpool. Okay. So, you know, there's, and the game is making fun of itself. It, it doesn't want to take anything serious. Example, um, Anna Claire Clouds. I'm sure you're probably familiar with her, right? Mm -hmm. So she's actually in the very beginning of the game. Like the opening scene is Vanilla and Anna Claire Clouds on a speedboat. Um, going into the evil uh, cas uh, casino Volano Island because you're on a, you're on a mission, right? So you speed up on that, and they have a whole little funny dialogue of what's going on. And they get off the beach there, and uh, Anna Claire is like, "Oh, this is so cool! You know, I'm here with you and everything." And she's she asked a question along the lines of, "So are you just gonna like walk right in the front door, you know, and be the man, or are you gonna like sneak up in the back door?" And then see that how that sets up that joke perfectly. He's like, mm -hmm. well, Anna, you know, and tells her what's going on. He's like, but speaking the back door, wait here. We'll celebrate when I get back. You know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. And you're like, did he just make a backdoor joke? Simple stuff like that you just don't normally see in a game. But at the same time, it's well calculated. Sure. And the game will actually, and I think the very first time, you know, he references Anna. He says, well, thank you, legendary adult film star Anna Claire Clouds. Like he points out who he's talking to to let the reader number or the, the uh, gamer know exactly who she is number one but at the same time it's so over the top in the way that you would never say that like if you're talking to somebody you're not going to give spell out their full title right. but the game does things like that multiple times uh just even in the opening act to let you know that the game is very aware that it's a game 
and it's very aware, aware that uh, we're just here to have a good time. Like, don't take mm-hmm. this too seriously. Sure, sure. Now, who exactly is the game made for? That's a good question. So, obviously, number one, it's mature individuals. Uh, the game will be rated mature. Now, the ESRB, which is that fun company who rates all the games and, and, and different types of media across the board, you know, they give it that everyone rating or um, uh, mature rating or adults rating. Mm-hmm. This will be mature, guaranteed. No, no I mean, I, they oh, yeah. were nowhere near getting that rated, but that's what it's going to be. I will be staying away from an adult rating because when you get the adult rating, uh, you're not allowed to go on consoles. Mm. So that will smash millions of people getting a chance to play this game. Sure. And it's not always about money. Um, sure, would I lose money from that? Of course. But more importantly, I'm going to lose people to be able to experience this game. So I don't want to do right. anything that's going to keep it off of Xbox or keep it off of PlayStation, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going for mature rating. Um, now, but really, as far as who is going to enjoy this game and who we're making this for, it's gamers that are just tired of, of growing crops and little simulators and walking around, uh, you know, playing these little cute G rated games and with <laughs> puppies and unicorns and rainbows, you know, it, there, there's a gamer out there. And I know because I've been around this for a very long time and we're just tired of the bait and switch deal too, from these AAA companies. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to mention any names and games, but there's a game that came uh, out recently. Go ahead. No, well, no, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not here to put anybody down, but, um, they, I absolutely love, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll say this. I love the Witcher series, the Witcher three, very mature, mm-hmm. um, great game. Loved them so well put together. Mm-hmm. And then they had a project that they spent, I think it was $123 million. I believe is the, <laughs> the, the number I read to make a Jeez. video game. Okay. To make a video game, Bruce, mm-hmm. $123 million over seven years. It came out. It was unplayable. Eh. Like it was so bad. Sony refunded everybody's money with no questions asked. And they ripped it off the store and said, we're not even selling this anymore. How does that happen? Right. Uh, I I don't know. Too many, (laughs) too many cooks in the broth. I don't know. Exactly. So how does that happen? So we're just tired of that kind of stuff, you know? And, and here's the thing that whole time while this was going on for many years, you were able to pre-order. So what does that mean? They're making probably millions and sitting back, you know, and, for sure. And, and chilling on the beach when they right. should have been making this game, right? right. I mean, like, what's right. going on here? So this is for players that's ready for an engaging story, good gameplay mechanics, not going to break on you, and nonstop laughter while you're having fun with some of the hottest and coolest women the adult film industry has ever seen that's tagging along for you uh, for the ride, which is something yeah. that not hardly any game ever has done. Sure. Sure. Now uh, you brought that up. You've decided to bring the adult film industry into the game. Why is that? This game in, in the game character, it's well, let me say this. So Vanilla Beast is it's partly myself and me kind of telling my story uh, through a game. Hmm. And it, it's in a way of uh, it's it's all based on true fictional events. OK, Right. <laughs> you probably said, what? <laughs> Meaning, you yes, don't never know what's, I, what's not yes, yes, I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all based on true fictional events. And what that means is, was that real? Maybe. Was that false and fiction? Maybe. It could have been. I could have actually done this in my life and embellished a bit, or I could have never touched this and took this from a movie. You'll never know. That's the beauty of this. And the adult film industry, it's such a fun industry. It's, it's an industry and you don't need me to tell you this. Your listeners don't need me to say this, but it's Mm -hmm. something everybody loves, but nobody wants to talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, so many people have grown up with certain uh, actresses over the years. And I mean, all, you know, just back from 
when things were getting started on DVDs. Remember mm-hmm. them back in the days you had sure. to go out and like for me in Cincinnati, the hustler store was a really big store. Yep. Uh, I can, I, I can remember getting my hands on that Pamela Anderson tape back in the mm. day, the uh, VHS. It was yeah. just, that was the coolest thing ever right yep. there back in the nineties. Right. We didn't have the internet and all that. Right. Sure. And, and so now that everything's so readily available, it's, I still feel like when it comes to gaming and, and some forms of media, the adult industry is still in the dark ages. Nothing that they've done. It's the powers that be that are out there that's saying, you can't do that. You're less than this. And I just don't believe in that. So once again, uh, kind of like I, I spoke about earlier, it's not always about money. This could actually bring more money to the game, but it could also hurt me too. And I realize that mm-hmm. uh, with reviews and bloggers, and maybe I won't get on IGN because they're just, uh, we can't put that on our site. But you know what? Screw them. It doesn't really matter to me because this industry has been a part of my life, just like it has been part of, of other people's. And it's fun. Mm-hmm. This game is about being fun. This game sure. is about having a good time. And okay. For a power up, would you rather jump on a little block in the ground, shaking the guys over? Right. Or would you rather have Gianna Michaels drop down on a parachute with two AK 47s and wipe out the entire screen shooting guns, uh, with their titties bouncing all around. That's what I want to see, right? I would much rather have that power can I, up. Can I get back to you on that? No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like things that just haven't been done right. is what we're trying to do. Yep. And the adult film industry, just it adds a whole nother layer of creativity that mm-hmm. I can bring to the game and a whole mm-hmm. nother layer of, wow, I'm actually playing this right now that yeah. you're just not going to experience anywhere else. Right. Now, there haven't been a lot of adult entertainers in games traditionally. Why do you think that is? Right. And I mean, a little bit like I alluded to there, I think that a lot of developers and publishers and, and, and the powers that be are just afraid. I think they're mm-hmm. scared. Um, I mean, look at Howard Stern and what he's done over his career oh, and yeah. how controversial that he had to be just to get to where he is now. Yep. And it's the same, it's the same thing in games. Well, he had to get, and, he had to get thrown off the air a few times. I'm sure, exactly. I'm sure you saw private parts. <laughs> oh, of course. Of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah. And even before that, you know, I, I listened to Howard Stern and all that before, you know, uh, fun fact about myself here. Uh, I'll never forget nine 11. I was listening to Howard Stern uh, mm. working. I was actually doing like landscaping for a company. This uh-huh. was, you know, uh, uh, obviously a long time ago. Sure. And I'll, I'll never forget how great of a job Howard Stern did. He stayed on the air. He was supposed to go up, but he stayed on to get that information about what was going on with nine 11. Mm. And he, that was some of the best, I've ever heard of anybody ever on the radio. Oh yeah. How he, he handled that situation. Well, he's, a, pro, he's so a pro. Well, he's a pro. I mean, that's, that's yeah, the bottom exactly. line is he's a pro. I don't know right. if you, and, I don't know if you saw the interview he did with Anderson Cooper. I don't, I'm trying to think, I think Anderson Cooper was interviewing him and, uh, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And, and the guy's a class act, but mm-hmm. because of the material he did, well, he's mm-hmm. some slime ball. You know, he's, oh yeah, you know, no, that's not the way it works. Not I mean, that's what you can think, but that's just not the truth. Right. So bringing the adult film industry into this game, I understand I'm going to be criticized and there's going to be a few things against me uh, because of that. But at the end of the day, I got to do what I want to do and what I think is going to be best for the game and for this product that I'm making. And it's all about the gamers and, and what we've not experienced, what we want to experience. Um, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for a very long time and you just don't normally see this. And I wanted to incorporate this into the game because it's just, 
and if it's not your style, that's fine. Don't play the game. I, I have no problems. I will, you know, I'm, I'm not the type of person that gets upset when I see something I don't like and tells other people not to do it too. Sure. I, I do live in America and it <laughs> is a free country still. And, and if yep. I don't like something, I just shut my mouth and I don't do it. Right. Right. <laughs> it should be the same thing with, with movies and, and, and gaming and books and, You'd think. and media. You'd right. Think. And, and that's right. And even though it's not always the case, I'm still going to subscribe to that personally. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm putting this into the game. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's something that I think that at the end of the day, when when the gamer plays this game, could we get through without this? Yeah, I, I could definitely make this game without it. But I don't want to. Right. You know, I want to have these legendary women in the game. And it's all positive, too. Right. And there's, you know, it's, it's all fun. It's all po- it's it's using them in, in ways that, um, like I said, power ups and, and different types of situations where they come into play and uh, uh, Anna Claire just being in the, just making a cameo and being in the game and, and just to provide some comic relief as soon as mm-hmm. it starts so that you know that the second this game starts, I'm on a speedboat with an amazing adult film actress and we're making jokes and I've yeah. not played the game for but 15 seconds so far. Yep. Yep, exactly. Hey, you never know. Howard might uh, want to interview you about it. Uh, I would not be surprised in the least. I'm sure it's crossed your mind, too. Um, so why did you partner with uh, Pornstar Platinum on this? Last year when I started really putting this together and, you know, say, okay, how, what do I want to do? I, I got to have a game plan. We're not going to, you know, I don't do anything in life. If, if anything people will say about me is that I'm very analytical, very logical. And I guess that's the IT part of me, right? I mean, I've kind of been in it and infrastructure and technologies most of my life and, mm-hmm. and binary right one, one ones and zeros so i came up with a plan of how do i want to tackle this and i reached out to some different companies i seen i did my research um i on some of the people that were behind the companies who who would i want to work with who do i think would see this thing through mm-hmm. and um what what else should i go so i reached out to some people and a funny story about actually um bringing uh this into the game the way that we did and partnering up with with porn star platinum is that i i'm here i guess the best way to say this is i i like to be respected just like i respect other people especially in business right right i mean like if i start calling you a bunch of names right now you're gonna end this right that's just not how you do business <laughs> so it's and and here's the thing when i'm i understand i'm the underdog here right when i'm reaching out to these massive um adult film studios i they don't know me i i know they don't know me uh and, and they don't have to spend me any time of day at all. So I was really looking for someone who was going to approach me interested. Number one. Okay. I I heard your little pitch here. What what do you got? This sounds fun. Right. And the interesting thing about this. So Dan got back to me really quick. Uh, you know, Dan from Mm -hmm. porn star platinum. Yeah. And Dan, Dan, Dan Hogue, Dan Hogue. Right. A former, a former, a former guest on adult site broker talk, actually. (laughs) <laughs> right and dan's a great guy and Fantastic what dan guy. did he responded really quickly to me but since it had the porn was in the name of his uh email address there it went to my spam yeah and i didn't catch it so yeah here's me being an idiot now right so here <laughs> i am the big <laughs> it guy that always tells everybody else what they're doing wrong and this yep. fix it right right well so weeks go by and I'm talking with some other people. Oh, and then no. I, I just go, hey, let me check the spam. And I seen Dan had got back and I felt like such an idiot. I'm like, hmm. are you kidding me that I haven't checked my spam in like two weeks? Happened so much. On here. And Dan got back and said, hey, you know, he was interested and and, and, and everything. And he wanted to, to speak with me. And, and I was like, oh, man, what a goof. What, what is, what's wrong with me, right? That's such <laughs> a rookie mistake. It's, you know? 
that's like, you know, Derek Jeter out there, you know, after playing for 15 years out there and not understanding to, to look at the third base coach, right. And make mm-hmm. sure that there's any signs going on. Right. You just don't do that. Right. And, uh, so yeah, I got back with Dan and I apologize. First thing I'm doing is telling the guy, I'm sorry, this is a real good start is me apologizing to him for being a goof. And we got to talking and, and as you mentioned, Dan, Dan's a really good guy. He, he seemed is. interested in it. He, he didn't, he wasn't treating us, even though this is obviously business, it's a hundred percent business. Um, he, he didn't treat it in a way of, okay, this is what's going to happen. And if you want to work with us, these are the rules. You know what I mean? He didn't come at me like that at all. He's like, let's sure. talk. Let's just see what's going on. Right. Real laid back, real cool. Uh, similar to myself. And, and I had done my research on him and, and, you know, I, I knew, and I know things about him right now. He doesn't even know. I know, uh, like him being a bears fan and different things. I did mm. my research. I just, I wanted to know about the people that I was dealing with. Right. Sure. And, and I'm like, man, he, well, he's number one, he's a bears fan. So he's seen a lot of grief over the years. So oh that he my God. Back, oh my God. Has he, <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> this guy's resilient. He's a bears fan. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> but you know, this little things like that. And just over a couple conversations we had, um, porn star platinum itself is it's a juggernaut industry. I mean, he's had some of the, uh, most talented and amazing women in industry ever, um, come through his network mm-hmm. on his network. Now, you know, been a part of it a year. He seemed like a good guy. He was willing to work with me and, and mm-hmm. we, through our conversations, it's just like, you know what, this seems like a really good match. And, you know, I am, I am the type of guy that where you never just want to necessarily jump on the first thing, right. That you see, but at the same time, if you don't, it'll be gone, you know? Uh, and I had already been doing my research and I was in talks with other places, but I said, no, this is, this is awesome. I really like Dan. Yep. Uh, I like what, what he's, uh, uh, what he stands for here. Uh, and I like uh, porn star platinum. And I said, yeah, let's go ahead and let's do this. And I was, I was gung ho from, from the moment, you know, r- right there, right from the point that I knew that he was, uh, uh, legitimately interested in the game and what was going on and, and, we spoke about different maybe promotions we could do and what he can do to help out and this and that. And I was like, yeah, man, let's, let's go for it. This will be awesome. Yeah. Now, how are you going to use your partnership with uh, porn star platinum and adult entertainer licenses? So I know you said you're not a gamer and that's, that's totally uh, fine, Bruce. Mm-hmm. There was a game um, that 2k produced called mafia. It was a series. They had uh, three games, really good games. And they started all the way back on the PlayStation two era. So a long time ago, okay. a couple decades ago. Yeah. And the game mafia or the series, I should say, I, I, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. You're gangsters. So, you know, you're mm-hmm. playing, uh, you know, a gangster that comes out, he comes back from the war and a lot of stuff's changed and it's the fifties, right. You know, rock and roll's happening and you're driving around like Richie and, and Fonz and whatnot <laughs> back in the day. And one of the neat things this game did, and like I said, I'm not stealing anything. I'm talking openly about this because I'm not stealing. If you got a good idea, you got a good idea. That's awesome. Right. I'm going to use it too sure. in my own way. So what this Mafia game did, they had uh, a license with Playboy. So as you would be working through the levels or in the open world, you would find a magazine. You mm-hmm. pick that magazine up, you click the button, and boom, you get like maybe uh, Miss December 1955, mm. wow. full centerfold. Jeez. And that's a really neat way to do that. No oh, game's yeah. done that before or since. Gee. And I was like, well, you know what? That's one way we can do the actual photo shoots. Now we're going to keep it classy. Like there's going to, the game won't have any hardcore sex mm-hmm. or anything like that. And because like I said, that would get us an adult rating and, and boom, we're off consoles and they won't deal with me. Right. So, I mean, but you look at the beginning of all the photo shoots, they, they start on that kind of soft core way. You know, the girl's kind of smiling at you and maybe starting to take their clothes off. Right. And then they right. get topless and then nude and then the action happens. Right. Well, 
we can go all the way up to that until the action happens. And these can be um, unlockables you find out through the level. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first thing when you get on the beach, when the game starts, um, there is a secret hidden on the top right corner. And this is going to be part of the demo. And like I alluded to earlier about the game, understanding it's a game. Well, I understand people's not going to know that, at least not right away. So I give you the first one for you for free. So as you walk to the left, um, it'll trigger, um, oh, they're getting close to kind of moving on, right? So the game stops and Vanilla talks to the gamer. He says, huh, you know what? I think I've seen a crack on a wall on the right side of the beach. We should maybe go back and check on that, right? So that lets him know, oh, hold on, I'm about to miss something right away. He's talking to me. And you go back and you look for the crack on the wall. And the crack is literally like a booty crack drawn up on the wall. So you're looking for a crack in the wall. <laughs> They've told me is like the game is, it looks so good. Like it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, it, it's so appealing to the eye. You just wouldn't expect him to be saying the stuff he's saying <laughs> and sure. doing the stuff he's doing. Cause it, it does look so neat. Yeah. So what we're going to do is bring these, these uh, um, adult film stars into the game in ways that you could use them like I mentioned earlier, as a power-up. Mm-hmm. Maybe have one parachute down. And if we got a level where Vanilla's, you know, giving a flashback and telling about how what he did in Vietnam, even though technically I would have been before he was even born. That's kind of <laughs> part of the humor of this too. So telling a story about, you know, the Charlies and the Trees and this and that, you know, we can have, uh, you know, even Naughty or Gianna, whoever drop down and, you know, be able to wipe out the, the screen with AK-47s. And then some of them will be in the game as far as, uh, progressing the story too. Maybe you mm-hmm. talk with them to get information sure. and it's it just, it's a neat way to incorporate um, these girls in the game that would never be in a game. And really when you get in a game and it kind of immortalizes you, not that they're not already. Cause you mm-hmm. know, a lot of these girls are, you know, I mean, look at Sophie D and her empire and what she's doing right now and, you All know, right. and everything. Does she need this? No, but she's part, a part of porn star platinum's network. So you better believe she's in the game, right? Sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, like, you know, the images we have to use, we will do that. And, you know, kind of part of this, and Dan Dan is a, a very busy man, as you know. I mean, Dan is doing mm-hmm. so much, and I really appreciate the help that Dan's put out there. And, and I'm trying to, you know, to talk with him when I can about, hey, can you put me in touch with this person? Can I, can I you know, and he, he has so much that he can do, and he is a, a very popular man. But at the same time, I'm trying to do some of my own lay work here and, and, and reach out. And anybody that wants to be a part of this game, any of the um, – actresses that was like oh this is so neat i would love to be part of this game that's what i'm trying to do you know get them in the game so now what are you doing to ensure the success of the game not only have i done my research on what makes games work i've been playing games for 30 plus years here the company everything all the paperwork's taken care of we brought in porn star platinum that is that's a huge powerhouse right of of content right there Mm -hmm. but i'm talking with the audience and that's something a lot of the bigger companies just don't do. If you was to jump on a game forum right now and you get to where they're talking about the negatives of game, what what don't they like? They they feel like they're ignored. I'm not making this game for myself. I'm mm-hmm. not making this game just for you or one person. You gotta think in a broader scope. And that's difficult to do because um I'll probably get this wrong, but I believe the saying goes, if you try to please everyone, you please no one. Right? Have you heard that before? And so I, I understand I can't make a game that everybody's going to like. I, I totally get sure. that. But at the same sure. time, I got to listen to what the gamer wants. So I've set up through uh, some different uh, modes here, uh, uh, different avenues uh, to let them play a demo early, get their feedback. What do you like about the game? What don't you like? What's working? What's not working? And I don't mean like 
are you are you going to walk through a wall and get stuck? Obviously, that should never be there. But more so, what do you think about this content? What you know, how does this type of uh, getting from point A to point B work for you? And it's just something that you just don't see in a lot of these games, these indie games that are so successful, and they really launch companies, they launch careers, they 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 are so successful is because they listen. Mm-hmm. They they want to know. It's not. And it's funny because some games are the opposite. They just want to make the game they want to make. They release it and they're okay. I'm done. Thank you for your money. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's not what I'm doing at all. You know, right. and it, it's it's a fact of life, unfortunately. So I'm doing the total opposite of that. It's like let's make this game together. Of course, I'm I'm you know the the creative brains behind it, and I'm doing hiring all the programmers and the animators and the vocalists and the composer. Right? You know, I mean, you got all these different, all the the difficult task of getting everybody working together and, and, and on task and, and making sure the job's getting done. But at the same time, the gamer is the one that's going to play the game and they're going to be the judge jury right there at, at the end of the day. So I I'm trying to reach out on forums on discords uh, anywhere that anybody will listen and, and be interested in the game to uh, play it for free, uh, check the demo out, which will be fully done here uh, soon and, and get that out there and get feedback and, make an awesome game together with the community. And that's where the kind of Kickstarter campaign is going to come in pretty big on that front too. Who can access the demo? So, well, that's right now that's going to be closed. Um, it may be open public. Well, the demo eventually will be open publicly. So let, let me word it this way. Right now, the demo is kind of like an alpha, mm-hmm. uh, like a closed alpha build. Right. So I can get feedback about the game and then it mm-hmm. will turn into an actual demo where it'll be free on steam for anybody in the world. And mm. you don't need to pay to have a steam account, which is how you game on PC. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so read, uh, the entire world. Once we get to that point, um, cool. the closed alpha is really for me to get out to publishers, to bloggers, mm-hmm. to reviewers, so that they can start talking about the game and getting it out there. And then cool. also so I can get feedback from specific people that are going to play the game that I know will give me an honest opinion of what's going on with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that'll hurt. That'll help. It won't hurt. It will help <laughs> the Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about that. Right. So the Kickstarter campaign, um, that's, it's tricky. And, you know, to be honest with you, Bruce, it's scary. And I've kind of always, I always live my life and, and I'm not saying that everybody should do this because, mm. you know, obviously we live our lives our own way, but, right. and, and maybe a lot of people will think I shouldn't be this way, but if I didn't think I could win something, I wouldn't do it. Right. Like, I don't know. I've always been a big competitor. I mean, I was mm-hmm. quarterback of the football team, mm. captain of the baseball team. I played basketball. Cool. I'm, I'm six, three. So back yeah. in, you know, back in the day, that was tall, not so much nowadays. Right. <laughs> but you know, I was, I was really big into sports, very competitive. And I would, I would go the route to where if I thought I might lose, I'll make some funny way not to do it. All right. You know, joke my way out of the situation or whatever, and just kind of get by with life. Mm-hmm. So Kickstarter is very scary to me because I really have no idea how this is going to happen. I have done mm-hmm. so much research about what, successful campaigns have done in the past what mm-hmm. failed campaigns have done in, in the past okay and just to let you know a little bit about what kickstarter is gaming has, has not always been on kickstarter that's actually something that's been newer in the last i don't know i think maybe five to ten years they've added within the last decade mm-hmm. and it's for anything so you go on kickstarter you launch a campaign and you say hey my goal is just to make this simple we'll say my goal is ten thousand dollars if i get ten thousand dollars this is the product you're going to get and it asks for pledges right 
you can have rewards within those pledges. Like, okay, if you donate five bucks, this is what you get. You donate 20, you get this, you donate a hundred, you can have this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's tech. You, maybe you have an invention, you, you created something, you just like, you know, like shark tank, right? right. They go on shark tank cause they need that funding to really get their invention off and running. Sure. Kickstarter is the same way. Right. And the trick to it is, so let's say you set that $10,000 goal. Mm-hmm. And you run it for 30 days or 60, almost 100% of all successful funded Kickstarters are 30 days. That's just mm. the magic number. Yeah. So let's you set this $10,000 goal. You run it for 30 days. Let's say you're on day 29. It's almost over and you got 8,000 of that 10. If you don't hit 10,000, you lose it all. Oh, no. All $8,000 of that goes back to the person who pledged. Right. I so know, all the, I didn't know that. Exactly. It's a big risk because now you're sure. branded a failure. If you fail on this, mm. everybody can always come back and say, why are you coming to me as a publisher? You couldn't even do this through crowd or that, you know, yeah. there's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tricky situation. Um, mm. but if you hit it, then you keep that money. Right. And yeah. if your goal is something larger to get this going, like, you know, $250,000 mm-hmm. to get this game going. Uh, when you hit that goal, that is your money to, to keep, you have all the promises you made, all the pledges, mm-hmm. um, with the different reward tiers. Right. And now you just got to make the game and back it up. But if mm-hmm. you don't hit that number, like, you know, if your goal is 250,000 and you make 150,000 of that, that's still plenty of money. That's good. But you don't get any of that when it Jeez. ends, if you don't actually hit your goal. All or nothing. Wow. Wow. It is all or nothing. Jeez. Um, do you have a release date for Vanilla Beast? Well, right now, and this is obviously subject to change, but we're looking at <laughs> quarter four of 2022. Okay. Um, games usually take a few years to make. That's no matter what what the game is. I mean, little mobile game doesn't really count, right? But right. anything that's major like this uh, that's releasing on, on PC and trying to port over to consoles, uh, it's going to take a few years. Been sure. on, you know, been working on it since last year. Uh, funding has to do with a lot of this. If we get funded early and we knock that out, I can put more programmers on the game and we can get this done. If not, um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not going to sacrifice quality mm-hmm. uh, because the funding may may not be there. It's just going to take me longer to get what I want to get out there. Sure, sure. Well, hey, Neil, I'd like to thank you again for being our guest on Adult Slave Broker Talk. And I hope we'll get a chance to hear about uh, your progress on uh, on a later podcast. Sure, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on here, Bruce. Thank you. My broker tip today has to do with what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. This will be a multi-part series. First, make sure you're converting as much of your traffic as possible. Traffic's expensive. Whether it's search engine traffic, review site traffic, or affiliate traffic, you paid a lot for it. So make sure that when someone lands on your site, you give them every opportunity possible to either spend money or do whatever it is that you want your visitors to do. In the case of a pay site, make sure your billing options allow as many people as possible to buy. Have multiple ways to pay. In North America, most everyone has a credit card. But in other parts of the world, credit cards aren't used nearly as much. In Europe, for instance, credit card usage is low. So look for billing options that will match the areas where your traffic comes from. In Europe, ACH and debit cards are used a lot. In Africa and other developing parts of the world, many people pay by mobile. Do your homework and find out how people pay in the regions you get most of your traffic. It'll make you more money. The worst thing you can do is get a visitor, have them want to buy, but since you don't have their preferred way to pay, they can't. And if you're looking for suggestions, feel free to get in touch with me via my website. Along with this is to improve your user experience. 
Make your site attractive and easy to navigate. People have more options than ever these days. I can't tell you how many sites I go to, even some that are owned by large companies, where the navigation isn't obvious to the user. You poke around the site for what seems like an eternity to do something that should be relatively easy. Keep it simple. Before you launch any changes to your site, ask your friends to go to the site and check it out. Unfortunately, designers and tech geeks don't think like us. You need real people to look at your site for you. The same kind of people who will be visiting your site. Next, make a good offer. If you're selling something and the offer isn't good, you're not going to make money. It's plain and simple as that. And if your offer is to contact you or get more information, then make the offer attractive and easy to understand. If you're selling something, make buying easy. Show them an easy way to buy and then leave. Help them by making suggestions on what to buy. Amazon.com is the best at this. They always have suggestions on what to buy based on your buying and browsing history. They use AI to do this. There are AI engines available these days at a modest cost. Look into this if you can. Don't clutter up your site with unnecessary items, buttons, and images. Keep it as simple as possible. The best and most successful sites are the simple ones, the ones that lead you to take the action you'd like them to do. It's not that hard. Just remember, when you're putting together any site, try to think through the buying process like a human being. Whatever you do, don't turn over that process to your designer or developer. Don't just say, build me a website. What you'll get out the other end will not give you what it is you're looking for. Give them as much direction as possible and make it easy for them to build a site for you that makes your business succeed. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week we'll be talking to Ina of AdCetra. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Neil from Vanilla Gaming. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.